So, some of you guys know that when I'm not here at church, I'm at this place called Island Rock. It's a rock climbing gym, and I just save lives all the time. I catch kids falling off the walls. It's what I do. I know. You can thank me later. But uh, So, I work a lot of kids club programs, and I work kids camps, and so... We do a lot of fun things, and one of the fun things we do is we do this thing called a rope swing, and so what we do is we climb 20 feet up in the air, we untach ourselves, and we kind of just, with one rope, we just jump, and we fly 40 feet, and it's a lot, a lot of fun. Now, one time I was working this camp, and this kid was so annoying, he was just rude to the rest of the kids, he was a jerk, and he was a know-it-all, super cocky. And so we're doing this rope swing thing, and he ties in, and I tie in, and I'm showing him some things that are very specific that if he, can, if he screws up, it could be really bad. And so I'm showing him this thing that, hey, you attach these two ropes, you have to take this rope off, and you swing with that rope, and everything will be okay. And he's, I'm telling him this, and he's like, oh, I know this, bro, I know this, stop. Get, just like total disrespect, saying, no, bro, I got this, I got this. And I'm like, all right, let me just, I got to teach you, so I'm doing it super rude, doesn't listen to me, and I'm just like, you know what, you know, screw it, you go up there. And so I, he climbs up the wall, and he's at that point where he has to jump off. And so he takes off one of the ropes, and he's up there, and he freezes. And I'm like, oh, time to jump, go, swing. And he's just up there, and he's, nothing's happening, and he's silent. He's like, bro, you got to go, it's your time. And then, at an instant, he makes the loudest noise you've ever heard, and he just goes, Aah! and screams like a girl, and everybody in the gym looks up and sees this bully loser cannot just go off 20 feet and, and fall and go into the fun rope swing, and everybody, all the other kids are just pointing and laughing at this kid because he's embarrassing himself, and he was like, no, I can't do it, I can't do it, and then he finally, one of the staff members had to go up, push him off, and he swung, because that was the only way he was going to get down, and he swung, and then he was a nice kid for the rest of the camp, and so the reason why I'm telling you this silly story is because I think that is, that's true about all of us, that when life comes and hits us hard, and when chaos enters into a situation, we tend to forget what we know is true. The kid knew he was safe. On the ground, he knew that once he got up to the top of the wall and before he let go, he was going to be fine. But when chaos entered into the situation, he forgot the truth. And I think that's true about us, a lot of us here in this room today. And the passage that I want to talk about is kind of similar to that. Because I think all of us in this room know, we all know this passage that I want to go over tonight. And I know you guys know it, not because you guys are super smart and good Christian boys and girls. No, because everybody knows this passage. Like, non-Christians know this passage. And this passage I want to talk about that's near and dear to my heart is called Psalm 23. And everybody knows this. You read this at funerals, it's spoken at funerals, uh, weddings, bar mitzvahs, everywhere you go, this psalm is everywhere. It's one of the most popular scriptures in the world. And it's like the Cliff Notes version of the Christian life. It's like the summary of what the Christian life should look like. And I want to go over this because we all know this scripture, but when life hits us hard, I don't think we're reciting it. I don't think we're going to the scripture at all. And it's one of the most dangerous is because we know it, but we don't ever apply it. And so I want to go over because I think it'll bring hope to a lot of chaos in this room here tonight. And there's a lot of stuff that's going on in every individual here. 
And there's a lot of trials. And it's hard for me to talk about every single situation because there's a lot going on. A lot of you guys are walking through really dark times right now. A lot of you guys are worrying about your future, filled with anxiety about what's going to happen next. And you guys are just, I have a lot of stuff, and it's, it's, there's a lot of weight on me to just kind of bring some hope. But I think when we look back at something we already know, I think it could bring us hope. And so the reason why I'm calling this message tonight, the rhythm of the shepherd, because there in life there's this rhythm, and when we follow Jesus, that there's this rhythm that plays out, and we need to not just know it up in here, but know it as we walk in our daily life. So that's where we're going tonight, cool? So if you guys can open up your Bibles, whatever you brought, your phone, 20, go to Psalm 23. We're going to, I want you guys to take notes, be engaged, because I think this will bring hope to some of you guys here tonight. And before, while you guys are turning, I want to kind of go over some context a little bit. And so the person who wrote this psalm is called David, and a lot of you guys know who David is. And when he was writing psalms, a lot of the times he would try to evoke the senses when he was writing it. He was trying to make you close your eyes and picture a beautiful scene. And so I call Psalm 23 a SpongeBob psalm because you have to use your imagination. And so that's why I call this psalm a Spongebob psalm because this is what David's trying to do. He's trying to get you to close your eyes and picture the scene that he's portraying in the psalm. And when you do that, when you close your eyes and use your imagination, it's sometimes better to do that than to read a commentary. So that's where I want to go. And he starts off this psalm, as most of you guys know, and he says this. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And I want to stop right there. The Lord is my shepherd. And what a shepherd, what's a shepherd? A shepherd takes care of a flock of sheep, right? And David, in this psalm, calls himself a sheep. And it's interesting because David, growing up, was a shepherd. He wrote this psalm later on in his life. And he's looking back. And instead of him calling himself a shepherd, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, which makes him a sheep. And it's really important, I'm going to dive into some context because it's really important that we understand this because sheep are um, very interesting. Because over 200 times in the Bible, humans are called sheep. And so we need to understand what sheep are because I don't think anyone here is an expert in sheep. So I want to go over three basic traits of what sheep are, and I think that will help us understand this passage. So number one, sheep are stupid. Sheep are the stupidest animals to ever exist. They, they're not in circuses, on, like in the circus thing, because they, no one can train them because they're stupid. They are constantly falling off cliffs. They, I'm not, look it up. They're just constantly just falling off cliffs. You just say, all right, Jimmy, no, where are you going? Oh, Jimmy fell off the cliff again. Frick, all right, we got to get him. Right, like constantly, these things, there's nothing going on up inside their heads, and they're stupid. And the Bible calls humans sheep. And before you get offended, you have to realize something. That if you take an honest look at your life, you can probably see, like, yeah, I've done a lot of stupid things in life. I know I have. Man, 
There's so many times people have called me stupid. <laughs> and there's so, like the leaders can testify to this, man. There's so many times, like, what is he thinking? Why is he so stupid? I've been doing stupid for so long, I should get a PhD in stupid, man. Because I've done so many stupid things. And David realizes this about sheep. So he calls himself a sheep because he, needs to re- he knows that he needs to make the Lord his shepherd. So that's why he says, the Lord is my shepherd. The second thing about sheep is sheep are dirty, and they're really, really dirty. Like, they don't understand when they get dirty. Like, some of the boys here in this youth group, like, they don't understand when they have to take a shower and do, like, they don't, and they can't do anything about it, too. Like, they can't just go and, like, do it because they are sheep, and they're stupid, and they don't realize when they're getting dirty. And it's so bad because the fur can grow and just keep growing, and they get bugs inside and maggots, and this is all just nasty and gross. Gross. And the thing is, when I look at my life, I have a lot of dirty thoughts. If you guys looked at all my thoughts, even from today, you'd be like, that man should not be on the stage at all preaching the word of God. Because I have a lot of dirty thoughts. And David realizes that, man, I'm a sheep and I'm dirty and I need to make the Lord my shepherd. The third thing is sheep are defenseless. They, man, like, they're so weak, they're so stupid, and they can't, like, like, usually animals have some type of defensive strategy to, like, if they're getting attacked, they got some defensive strategy. For example, my dog, Gracie, when something comes and attacks his house, she barks, she barks and get, growls and gets mad and bites, and she bites places where you don't want dogs to bite, and because that's her defensive strategy. And then... The squirrel in my backyard, the squirrel's defensive strategy is when Gracie starts to attack the squirrel to run up the tree, and Gracie can't attack the squirrel because the squirrel's up there, the squirrel's looking, ah, you suck, and Gracie starts barking, and the squirrel's got a defensive strategy, and then sheep have no defensive strategy whatsoever. They can't run, they can't hide, they can't do anything, and they need a shepherd to protect them. And when I look at my life, and I see all this stuff that happens... It's like, I can't do this thing on my own. And David realizes the same thing. And so he says, hey, I need somebody to protect me. The Lord's my shepherd. So what do shepherds do? They do the opposite of those three things. Shepherds lead. They go where sheep need to go. And so they're helping out Jimmy before Jimmy falls off the cliff. They're saying, hey, Jimmy, come this way. You got to go this way. You're about to fall off the cliff. They lead. They guide. Shepherds meet needs. They take care of the sheep. They, They feed it. They provide for it. They clean it up. They, you know, get the razor and shave. And they they take the sheep to go take baths. And they meet the sheep's needs. And shepherds defend When an animal, when a tiger, when a bear, whatever comes and attacks the flock, man, shepherds go in, stand strong, defend, and fight back whatever's attacking the sheep. That's what shepherds do. And so since the Bible calls us sheep, we need a shepherd. And the question is tonight, who's your shepherd? Who's your shepherd? Because anything can be shepherds here tonight. Culture can be a shepherd. Are you listening to what's online and what's influence, what influences you by other people and other opinions and celebrities? Is, are parents a shepherd? Are people 
a certain person, a group of people. It could be sin, lust, pride. It could be selfishness. Maybe it's anxiety. Wherever anxiety goes, you go. It could be your own self, your own emotions, your own worldview. There's a lot of shepherds here tonight that you can go and follow. But Jesus, in John 10, 11, says, I'm the good shepherd. And so you have a choice here tonight to choose the bunch of different shepherds to follow. And a lot of you think that Jesus is your shepherd. A lot of you think that Jesus is your shepherd, but I don't think so. And we're like, whoa, whoa, what do you mean? Like, I, yo, I'm telling you, like, yeah, I go to church. I, I'm a good person. Like, I do the right things. I say the right things. I'm nice. Just because you go to Green Room, just because you go to church on Sundays, just because you know the songs and you can do what Christianity you think is right, like, that doesn't mean you're following Jesus as your shepherd. Well, then how are we supposed to know? How are we supposed to know if we're following Jesus as our shepherd? Now, let me tell you a story and some context real quick. Back in Old Testament times, sheep would gather together in wells. And a shepherd would lead their sheep and flock to a well. And the problem is there would be multiple flocks sometimes at these wells. So there would be multiple shepherds and multiple flocks, and they would all get mixed and jumbled up. And it was really hard to tell which sheep was which for the, each shepherd and, because there was no branding, there was no name tagging or nothing of that. And he, when there was time for the shepherds to leave, though, all they had to do was call out to their sheep and all the sheep would recognize their shepherd's voice and only their voice, and they were following. You see where I'm getting at? John 10, 27 says this. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So if Jesus is your shepherd, you follow him. You obey him. Wherever he, whatever he says, you do it. Whatever he says in his word, you obey it. And that should be a rhythm, and that should be a pattern in your life. And if you're not constantly full-on pursuit on Jesus, you're probably following something else. And I'm not saying that you have to be perfect, but I'm saying in the general direction, you are following after Jesus. Are you obeying him? Jesus says himself, if, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And so are you obeying him here tonight? Because if you're not obeying him, if you're kind of sometimes obeying him, like maybe once in a while, that's not following Jesus as the good shepherd. And so the question is, who's your shepherd? Who's your shepherd? Some of you guys know the voices of culture, voices of depression, voices of anxiety, a lot louder than the good shepherd. And so you follow wherever that goes. And David sees all the other shepherds that you can follow. But he goes on to say that the Lord is my shepherd. And this word, my, the Lord is my shepherd, is probably the most important word in the whole entire passage. Look what Tom, this, uh, Thomas uh, says. <laughs> probably the most important single word in this psalm is the little word my. You can know that the Lord is a shepherd, but that won't do you much good. You can even understand that the Lord is the shepherd, the only one in the universe who can fully meet your needs, but it's only when you have come to the place or confidence in him personally that you can sing with David of old, the Lord is my shepherd. So when Jesus is your shepherd, David goes on to list the benefits 
in the rest of the psalm. So when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Some of you guys know, I shall not want. And what is he saying? He's saying, God is the source of everything I need in this life. That there is nothing that if God hasn't given me, I don't need it yet. Because he is everything and he's my source of everything that I need to live life and flourish. And some of you guys are so drained and and drowning in worry. And God says to us not to worry because we have everything we need in him. We have everything we need. So there's there's nothing to worry about because he's in control. And when he's our shepherd, there's nothing to worry about. Matthew 6 talks about this. That he, Jesus is talking, and he's saying, man, people worry about the basic things in life, and not just the basic things, but the basic needs in life, like food and shelter and all these things. But he says, when you seek first his kingdom, when you seek first the shepherd, man, he will give you those things. Because you lack nothing when you follow the shepherd. And it's good for us to Hear this, especially if you don't believe any of this. Because I'm telling you right now, when you follow Jesus with your life, there's nothing you don't need. Because nothing can ever satisfy like the shepherd. And David realizes this. But the question is, how does he do that, right? How does, what is that rhythm? What does that way look like? Well, he goes on to say this. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me by still waters. What is David talking about? David is talking about rest. Just imagine this for a second. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. He's talking about rest. He's talking about rest. And man, David realized when we follow the shepherd that resting should occur often. And it's so, this is so unique and this is so different from what I'm seeing in Christian culture and just in culture in general, man. Because honestly, if you take a real look at yourself and you really look at your schedule and the way you do things in life, are you constantly having a schedule routine of rest? And I'm not talking just a day off where you can play video games and watch Netflix all day. I'm talking about resting in Jesus and and stirring your affections for Jesus. Because we're living in a culture that's just the opposite. We're living in a culture that always wants to go, that's always working harder, that you have to do this, you have to have this internship, you got to play all these sports, you have to do all these different things to succeed in life. We're in a culture right now, and we're running, 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 and we have no steam left to run. We're always constantly connected to our phones, connected to technology, and it's really killing us. Honestly, the world we're living, man, is not made for human flourishing at all. And rest is so crucial because it's literally designed and woven into creation, man. You see this in Genesis 2. From the start, Jesus, the creator of all things and good things, created rest for us and woven into creation. And if we're not constantly resting in Jesus, we're missing out on something. And I really like, I really want to go into this. And I really want to spend some time on this But psychologists and mental health professionals are saying that we are living in an epidemic in the modern world. It's called hurry sickness, and it's a disease. It's a a behavior pattern that's characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. And and man, I wish I could keep diving into this, but I think a lot of us here are struggling with this, myself included. And when I realized 
that if I'm following Jesus, that I need to have rest, I need to have Sabbath often. Once I started doing that, man, like, I'm telling you, things start to change in my life. And I'm not saying just like this, open up my Bible app five minutes and, and, or just listening to worship music, kill song. Like, I'm talking about, like, me and God alone time. Things that stir my affections for Jesus, like taking walks, like just doing whatever. And this is very, like, you have to figure this out on your own. But, and especially, especially having quiet times where it was just me and God's word. A pen, a highlighter, and I'm just pouring my soul out, highlighting things that impact my heart. And if you're not doing that often, you're going out of a place. And a lot of you, oh, here, here's the deal. A lot of you aren't experiencing God on a daily basis, and that's why. And that's why. Because you're not lying down in green pastures. You're not being led to, by still waters. And if you follow Jesus, this is the way of the shepherd. And I'm not trying to condone you guys and be like, oh, you guys suck. I'm not trying to bring guilt on you guys. But I'm, because look, I am, so, I was so bad at this. Last like four years of my life, man, I was just, like I would have 30 minutes of quiet time max and it was distracted and I was like doing, like I wasn't focused. Like I, I'm still learning this, man. And there's a really good book that I'm going through called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. I'm telling you guys, this book is amazing. I recommend it. If you don't like reading, listen to it because it's amazing. And especially for those of us that are not experiencing God on a daily basis, this is important. Because resting in Jesus is important. And look, and why is it important? Because if Jesus, the good shepherd, did it a lot, I feel like we should do it too. Like read the Gospels. Like all over the Gospels, Jesus is going away to be alone with the Father. And we need that in our life as well. So why does he make us rest? He needs you to lie down so you can be still and know who he is. And he goes on to say that all this does is he refreshes my soul. When he rests, when he leads me in quiet places, not with the television on, not with uh, Xbox on, not with the computer on, not with uh, Netflix on, but literally just me and him alone. It refreshes my soul, and our souls matter. And if you need to know how to do that right, come talk to me or the leaders. Like, this needs to happen in your life, because if you're not experiencing God on a daily basis, this could be it for you. And like I said, shepherds lead, shepherds guide, and and he goes on. David goes on and says, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. This entire time, what we're talking about is the shepherd leading us. And I struggle with this, man. I really do. Because sometimes in life and what happens and just the chaos of life and trying to figure out what to do with my life and all these different things, I just feel like sometimes Jesus isn't leading, right? It's like, where is Jesus in all this? I'm like walking and I'm like, where is Jesus leading? Jesus says he leads. He's a good shepherd, but I do not see him anywhere. Let me tell you how shepherds lead. Doing some research about shepherds is... um, and there's different type of shepherds, and shepherds do different things, especially in New Zealand and Australia. New Zealand and Australia shepherds, they usually lead from the back, and they would have make sure the flock was in front of them, making sure no jimmies would fall off cliffs, and so they would be in the back, just kind of guiding them that way. But in Israel, and, and, and especially the culture that David was writing the psalm in, shepherds would lead in the front, and the flock would be in the back. 
and, they would, and the shepherd would go, and the sheep would follow. And that's really important. And that's good news for us tonight, man. Because so often we are so worried about the future, where, what's happening. But here's the deal. When you're following the shepherd, he's already in the future. Like if you're worried about what's 10 days in front of you, Jesus owns 10 days, man. He's in the future. And some of us are trying to so worry about what's happening next, what's going what's gonna to unfold in this situation. But we have to understand that when we're following the good shepherd, he's out in front. And he's already there. He owns it. He's bigger than we thought. He's a big God who's sovereign. And it's something that I want to, is worth following, man. And he's already in the future. He owns the future. And so there's nothing, like David said, there's nothing to worry about. Because I'm, I'm following, he's going to guide me in the right paths for his name's sake. And when you're walking in rhythm with him, and you have to follow this rhythm, he leads us. And it's interesting, because then the passage takes a turn. David writing says this, even though I walk through the darkest of valleys... Most people know this verse as even though I walk through the shadow of death. But the Hebrew word is actually better translated to darkness. And man, there's some of you guys that are just completely walking into darkness, man. And darkness can be anything. Darkness can be divorce, cancer, pain, suffering, trial. And some of you are in this, in this season right now, man, where you just feel like you're just walking through darkness. Picture this for a second. You guys remember Tusk when we uh, to shut off all the lights? Joey turned off all the lights because he's the coolest youth pastor in the <laughs> building in the world. And he shut off all the lights in the building, right? And we, we were walking in the darkness, man. When I was walking in that darkness, like, oh, my gosh, I was scared. I was just like, I know Judah's going to come up and just knock me a big uppercut in my face because I was scared. I couldn't see what was in front of me. And some of you guys are in this season right now where you just can't see in front. You can't even see behind. You can't see side to side. And you're walking in the middle of the season. And sometimes in our lives, as Christians, as sheep who are following the good shepherd, we find ourselves in places that we never tend to be in. And we're in situations surrounded by darkness. But even though your situation is dark, even though your trial is just pitch black, your shepherd has never been in the dark with your situation. And he sees you clearly, and his eyes are never on you, are always on you. They're never off of you. And that's so good for us to hear, because some of us are going through some dark valleys right now, and we feel really alone, and we feel like, man, who cares about us? The good shepherd has always got his eyes on you. And I think... I think he says this because he wants us. He says this, and God allows trials to happen in our lives because he wants us to get to say the next thing right here. And it says this, that I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And how, how do I know this? Because David starts by saying, even though. And David is recognizing that the darkness is for a time and that there's a greater purpose in the middle of it. And yet he's saying, like, yeah, I might be in this situation. I might be in this trial. I might be in this pain and this family thing that's going on. It's really hard on, my, on, a, hard on me. But even though I'm walking through this, I won't fear no evil. And I believe this tonight that Jesus uh, has allowed that situation to happen. 
Because he wants you to say that. At the end of the the day, he wants you to say, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. That's hard, maybe for us, some of us to swallow. But God in his infinite wisdom allows these things to happen because he's a, a good shepherd. And why don't we have to be afraid of the darkness? Because Jesus is our defender. He goes on and says, your rod and staff, they will comfort me. And so what is a rod? A rod is something that uh, shepherds use. They would just knock out any animal that would come and attack the sheep. And what is a staff? A staff would, is the hook at the end of that thing. So if a sheep were to fall off a cliff or to fall in a ditch, man, they would pick up the sheep and get it so they would get back to the flock. And that's what shepherds do. And that's what the good shepherd does. Is when, even when you walk away for just a little bit, he can come and get you because he's that good. And he won't leave you out to dry. The truth is we go through these seasons, man. And there's this, it's a part of life. We all go through it. Every single one of us will go through dark, dark valleys. But there's a difference. If we're following a bunch of other shepherds, they're not going to provide for us. But when you follow the good shepherd, there's a confidence that stirs up in you. David goes on to say this. He says, you prepare a table before me in front of my enemies. Okay, imagine this for a second. Close your eyes. You just see a bunch of people that don't like you. Pretend you're about to get in a school fight. And there's a bunch of people that don't like you. Like, and they're mad. And this is what you do. You grab a a table. Put the table down. You grab a TV. And you put the TV down. You grab a PS4. And you put the PS4 down. Get the HDMI cable, plug it into the back. Get a power cable, plug it in. You got power. Get a nice couch. It's a little heavy, but you got it. Put it down right here. You put it down. You sit down. You turn on the PS4, and you start playing Fortnite. Not the best strategy if you're about to get in the school fight. But that's what David is saying. David has this cocky attitude and it allows for it because he's saying hey God's got my back he prepares a table in front of me and I could just sit back and just watch my enemies fall because my God is a defender and I have the confidence to walk through life and whatever comes my way I will fear no evil for you my God are with me that's what David is saying And some of you guys need to have that confidence because there's anxiety, there's depression, there's worry, there's fear, there's um, discontentment, there's these people saying bad things about you, there's the fear of gossip and what other people think about you. There's all these enemies lining up around you, surrounding you. But you can have the confidence to be like, hey, my God's got me. And God never promises to take away those enemies, but he promises to protect you in the middle, in the presence of your enemies. That's what our God does. And he goes on to say this, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. And it might sound weird, but it just that was a sign back in the day of just blessing. And when we follow the good shepherd, we're just so satisfied from the inside out. And our cup overflows. It, 
He goes on to say this, I surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And when David wraps this up, he's saying, look, man, I'm not going to fear all these things right now. And I'm walking through seasons, but, man, God's blessing me. And I won't fear no evil because, man, God's prepared a table for me, and he's just going to take care of my business. And he's got the end in mind. Because he knows one day he's going to be in the house of the Lord forever. And us as Christians, we, not, we need that eternity perspective. And this is why Psalm 23 is the Cliff Notes version of the Christian life. Because it's just jam-packed with theology. And so the bottom line, what I'm trying to get at, man, is that we have all we need when we follow the rhythm of the shepherd. We have all we need. If you need confidence, follow the shepherd. If you need security, follow the shepherd. He's got your back. If you have a lot of dirty thoughts and you feel very guilty and you feel like, man, I'm just so broken on the inside out, man, go to the shepherd because he's good. And there's a rhythm, and when you follow the shepherd, he's going to make you lie down. He's going to make you be by still waters. He's going to calm your soul. He's going to refresh your soul. And even though you're going to be walking through darkness and some dark valleys, You don't have to fear it. You don't have to fear the cancer. You don't have to fear the suffering. You don't have to fear the trial. Because the good shepherd is not in the dark. He sees you, and he's got you, and he's leading you. And you can trust him. He's going to anoint your head with oil. Your cup's going to overflow. And he's going to follow you and chase after you all the days of your life. And you're going to spend eternity with him and be more satisfied than ever before. So all we need, we have it when we follow the rhythm of the shepherd. And so I saw this on Facebook the other day, a couple weeks ago. It's a picture of a sheep. And um, yeah, I just want to read this story because it kind of wraps up what we've been talking about. This is Shrek, the sheep. He became famous several years ago when he was found after hiding out in a cave for six years. Of course, during this time, his fleece grew without anyone there to shave it. When he was finally found and shaved it, his fleece weighed about 60 pounds. Most sheep have a fleece under 10, but this one kept growing and it exceeded more than that. For six years, Shrek carried six times the regular weight of his fleece simply because he was away from his shepherd. When Shrek was found, a professional sheep took care of him, and all, and just in 28 minutes, all that fleece was enough to make 20 suits for, uh, to make 20 suits. All it took was just to come home to his shepherd. And that's what Jesus says in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all who are weary, and burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me. Follow my rhythm, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's Jesus' promise. I don't know what shepherds you're following. I don't know what shepherds you're going after. It could be culture. It could be your sin. It could be a bunch of different things. I don't know. But man, when you follow the rhythms of the shepherd, you have everything you need. But you have to follow it. And that choice is yours. Let's pray together.
Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we, we're, we're thankful for you, God, that you're a shepherd that takes care of us, that protects us, that defends for us, that even though we walk through dark valleys, God, you're with us. And you're so good that what the enemy meant for evil, you use for good. You take it and you use it for good. And so, God, we just trust you with that because it's hard. And our emotions and our lives tell us something different. But we're just going to trust you. God, we believe that you're working all things out for those who love you. And so, God, we just surrender our baggage, our trials, our misconceptions of who you are. And we just want to follow you, Jesus. We want to follow you. We're sick and tired of what culture says about us. We're sick and tired of the burdens that we are carrying and the weight that we're feeling. God, we just want to follow the good shepherd. Thank you, God, that you give us the confidence to walk through any trial. You give us the confidence to walk through any season. No matter how dark, no matter how difficult, you give us confidence. And so right now, I just want to take a moment. If you know you're not following the good shepherd, this isn't a religious thing, so you don't have to just like start doing the right things in order to follow God. First, you need to be enter into his gates. Jesus says that he is the gate. And what he means by that is that he provided the way out of death, provided the way out from following other shepherds. So if you want to start following Jesus and start following the, his ways and his rhythm, all you have to do is confess. Confess your brokenness. Confess your sin. And he will restore you. Some of us, some of you guys in this room are carrying a lot of weight. He can, you can come home. And he can take care of you. He can meet your needs because he's a good shepherd. So in your own words, just take a couple moments now and just confess some things. Confess your wandering. Confess your brokenness. It says in Isaiah that all who have wandered are gone astray like sheep. But there's grace here tonight. There's mercy and there's love here tonight. And there's a God who wants to be your shepherd who will protect you, who will fight for you. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can stand. As we close with just one more song. Amen.